What's up? <laughs> I got a little clock here. I got to get pushed there. Maple Grove, you've been bought with a price, made new through the blood, and given a great purpose. Your past is redeemed, your presence makes sense, and your future is secure. Why? Because we are the church. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, Welcome to week two of the year 2017. Now, my goal this morning, January 8th, 2017... Did I say 16? It's 17. Right? I can't even believe that, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's like a long time ago I was born. And well, my goal is pretty simple. I, I, I want every one of us, when we walk out those doors in just a little while, to leave this gathering with a gleam in our eyes, a bounce in our step, a, a strut in our stride, and an overwhelming joy in our hearts. And with these words on our lips, are you kidding me? I get to do this? I I already have this? I I, I can experience this? Yes, you can, because we are the church. But before we jump into today's conversation, I I, want to do uh, three quick things. First, I want to give a reminder, uh, then a, a, a little devotional thought from our Bible reading this week. And then I want to pray us into our conversation. Okay, the reminder. Last week, the first Sunday of the year, 2017, New Year's Day, we talked about some very practical steps that we can take that will ensure that the year 2017 is different, is better, is brighter, is bolder. No matter how great or not so great 2016 was, 2017 can be much better. How? By assuming responsibility for our own life. How? By believing that with God, we can change. With God, we can change. His power, not ours. By clarifying what we really want. By discovering and defining our our, our values and our core. And How? By doing it now, by not waiting to begin, and by taking some time to fill out this planning ahead value and core goal sheet from last week, right? If you guys were here, I don't know if you've done yours yet, right? I want to encourage you to do this, the front side of this. We have some outside. It's on our website, on our sermon link. And the first side is you know, clarifying your values. You know, what, what's your core of your life? What's important to you? What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of things would you want written on your tombstone, right? You fill this out, and on the back, you determine a, a social goal, a spiritual goal, a, a, a physical goal, and an intellectual goal for the coming year. I, I'm working on mine. I, I have some more to do. I got to fine-tune it. Um, the elders and I will share our sheets this coming uh, on Monday night. And then on Friday, some guys I ate breakfast with, right? Guys, we're going to meet and share ours then. Our life group will share ours on Thursday, right? Because you're just not going to just fall into a good year, right? You got to plan ahead. If you plan ahead with God's help, it definitely can be a whole lot better. If you missed the message, I would encourage you to check it out online. And now a brief devotional thought from this week's Faith Comes From Hearing. If you're here for the first time, you know, for about five years, 
Every week we have a Bible chapter a day we do for six days during the week, and Sunday we catch up. And on Friday we read John chapter 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, why was this, born, why was this man born blind? And that's a natural question, right, to ask? You ever ask why? When something not so good has come into your life? Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or, or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Uh, question, have you ever had a this happened? In other words, a hard and difficult, unwanted, not so fun thing hit you head on in your life? And understand, I, I'm not saying that, that God caused it. But what I am saying is that no matter what comes into our lives, no matter how difficult, God wants to use it. He wants to use it for his glory and for your good. Even the most difficult things. In my journal, when I read that, I wrote, anytime a this happens to me, it's an opportunity for your power to be displayed in my life, Lord. And this week when I read that, this one word stuck out to me in that. It was the word could. This happens with the power of God, could. It doesn't say will, right? It says could. Could be displayed. You see, whether or not God's power will be displayed in your life and mine when the, when the crap of life hits us, is up to us, right? God says, man, it's right here. My power, my glory is ready to be displayed, but it's up to you to allow me to show my power in your difficult time. It's up to us, just like it was up to this blind guy. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, kind of gross, spread mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing you see, if we never go in those hard times, if we never do what God is telling us to do in those hard times, if we never go, we will never have the opportunity to come back seeing. Does that make sense? And I wrote in my journal, I need more go in my life. You know, how about you? I need more go so that God's power can be displayed in the difficult times in my life. Now let's pray into our conversation. God, we love you. God, we stand in all of you. God, I, I pray for anyone who is just going through a hard, difficult time. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's their husband, their wife, their mom, their dad, their children, their job. Life in general, God. And I just pray, God, that you'll be with them and that they'll know that you're with them in this difficult time. And Lord, that you're just waiting for your power to show through it. And Father, I pray you open up our eyes to what we want to share today, God, about about your church and about how incredible it is. So we leave her excited about what we're, what we're able to be a part of. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, January 8th, 2017. Are you kidding me? Let's do this. And we're going to begin with the parable that Jesus tells in, in Matthew chapter 13. Now, parables were simply stories that Jesus would tell that people could understand so that they would not miss out. They were teaching 
I can understand this simple story, and it's teaching me a much more powerful truth. And sometimes we miss the powerful truth, but a simple story can help us understand it. And in Matthew 13, verse 44, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven, and let's pause for, for a second there and, and talk about what this kingdom actually is that Jesus is talking about. And, and understand, the kingdom, it, it's not something way out there in the future. It's something that Jesus established 2,000 years ago. And the, I want to read a few passages. The first is something Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Uh, so number one, this kingdom is a place that we as Jesus followers are, are already in. And it's a place of rescue from, from darkness, and it's a place where because of what Jesus did, we are both free and forgiven. Yeah, me too. I'm starting to like this, uh, this kingdom thing. Next passage. Since we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. So number two, uh, this kingdom, it's what? It's unshakable. I mean, nothing can shake it. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can or ever will defeat or overcome it. Uh, understand this kingdom will always endure, always stand. Not even the gates of hell can prevail against it. And listen, when, you, when we live in a world where kingdoms fall on a regular basis, e even the little kingdoms that we try to build for ourselves, being in an unshakable kingdom is extremely comforting. I, I mean, what a solid rock upon which we stand. And it should make us thankful and want to please God by worshiping him and holy fear and awe. And just one more passage to help us understand this kingdom. Revelations 1, 5 and 6. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood. I'm going to read that again. We've heard that before, right? But I don't want to be, wah, 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 right? That's like some serious stuff. Jesus, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his what? By his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom and priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. You see, in this kingdom, we are all priests, made to serve God and bring him glory. Okay, so this kingdom, it's a place of rescue from darkness. It's a place of freedom and forgiveness and it's a place that is unshakable, always prevailing, where we are all priests, make to serve God and bring him glory and holy fear and awe. And yes, if you're tracking with me, you're 100% correct. The kingdom Jesus speaks of is the church. And the church is absolutely awesome. It is. It is. Now back to Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in the field. It, it takes a little looking to find it. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now, now try to picture the scene that, that Jesus is painting in this story. Uh, I mean, imagine that later this week that, that you, you're walking through a field. Uh, maybe you're going there to have a picnic. Maybe you're going there for a hike. 
but you're just walking through this field and you happen to discover that there's gold there. And I'm not talking about a little gold. You know, I mean, it appears to you that there is maybe tons of gold there. Now, gold currently costs about $1,200 an ounce. That's $19,000 a pound. So a ton of gold is $38.4 million. You're talking about a lot of money. And as you're standing there kind of in shock at your fine, you suddenly remember, wait a second, when I, when I drove up here in park, there was a for sale sign on this property. Now, you didn't pay much attention then, but now seeing this gold, you run back to the sign to look at it. And as you look at the sign and you see the asking price, you're like, there's no way they have any idea what is hidden in that field. Question, would you be willing to sell everything you have in order to get enough money to buy that field? I know I would, right? I mean, I'd sell everything, even down to my last pair of boxer shorts, right? I'd sell them. Uh, Why? Because... No matter what I would sell, it would never even come close to comparing what I would get in return. And that, my brothers and sisters, is the point that Jesus is driving home in this parable about the value and the pricelessness of the kingdom of heaven of the church of Christ. And listen, if we do not see the church that way, as something that valuable, that's worth selling everything we have, then we do not see the church for what she really is. Get it? Good. Jesus continues. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. Again, the day is January the 8th, 2017. And my intent, my goal, my aim is to turn every one of us into those two guys in that field. Figuratively, I I want us to grab a shovel and and I want us to go back out to that field and uncover and, and rediscover the beauty, the power, and the value of being part of the church. Are you kidding me? I get to do this? I already have this? I can experience this? I can be a part of this? And as usual, the stuff I'm about to share with you, it's not rocket science. In fact, I'm sure that most of what I'm about to say you've heard before, maybe countless times, but here's the deal. See, we have a tendency to Forget just how awesome and incredible this treasure we have really is. I I don't know, perhaps maybe routine, familiarity has caused us to take it for granted, such that we no longer see the amazing beauty and power of the church. Just like we tend to do with so many other things, right? We take them for granted. We, We can begin to no longer wonder at sunrises and sunsets or the Blue Ridge Mountains. I remember the first time I drove here from Pantops, you know, coming from Flatland, Florida. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's amazing, right? I don't do that quite as much six years later. We tend to take it for granted. Or like we can tend to take our marriage for granted. You know, uh, this Tuesday, Laura and I will celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary. I'll be here. She'll be in Cambodia, (laughs) as it should be. But are you kidding me? I I get to wake up every morning next to a beautiful and amazing lady who loves God, loves his church, loves me, cares about me, is always for me, always believes in me, and is my very best friend on the face of the planet. I mean, I never want to take my wife for granted ever. 
Because as I post it on her Facebook page, and she hated it, you know, she's the, she's the flip to my flop. She's the hip to my hop, the yin to my yang, the sing to my sang. She's the hip hip to my hooray, my sunshine each day, right? And she so hates when I do that, and that's why I do that. But I don't want to take it for granted. I love her. So this morning, fellow Jesus followers, I want to remind us of some stuff that we probably already know. Stuff that's intended to fire us up all over again. You basically, this morning, I want us to go out in that field and rediscover what we already have. Now, there's 10 things that we're going to uncover. They're kind of my top 10, are you kidding me list. They're all true. They're all backed up by the Word of God. And listen, they're going to be coming at you really fast. Rapid fire, right? So buckle up. Hold on. And I want to encourage you to reflect on these truths sometimes this week, okay? So, anybody ready to get fired up? Okay, three people. Awesome. Let's do this. If you're visiting, I just need love and responses. I'm very insecure, all right? Um, are you kidding me? We get to have our past redeemed and our future secured? Question, got a past? Yeah, you do, right? We have a distant past and we have a very kind of recent past, right? Well, check out what God's word says about our past. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Man, that describes my life before Christ pretty clearly. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Here's what God says about your past in his word. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. And check this one out, that John wrote to Christians in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Anybody sin last week? Raise your hand. Okay, um, share your biggest sin with your neighbor right now. No, okay, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's what he says. It's, it's, are you kidding me, right? I don't know about you, I keep screwing up. Sometimes the same things. You ever do like the same thing that you don't want to do, right? Check this out. If we confess our sins, because he is faithful and just, he will forgive us from all our sin and unrighteousness. Are you kidding me? We keep messing up, and he keeps forgiving us. Therefore, if you are a Jesus follower, do not let guilt and shame have any part in your life. They don't belong there. They've been defeated by Christ. Amen? Our past is redeemed, and our future is secure. I love how Peter talks about the security of our future. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's giving us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance, I like to get me an inheritance, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power. That's some serious security. Until the coming of the salvation that's ready to, ready to be revealed. Our past is redeemed and our future is secured. Next, are you kidding me? We get to be adopted into God's family? Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his very own family. 
by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Check this out. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Wow, I love that. And you know what? I, I, I know about adoption, right? I, I know about adoption because I, I, I was blessed to, on, on July the 18th, 2005, to, to bring home a, a precious girl named uh, Lydia Maylee Malone. There she is right there. She loves me talking about it right now. I love you, baby. You know, I'm not going to say nothing bad, I promise, right? You know, seriously. Uh, but I know about adoption, right? It's what I wanted to do. And man, did it please me then and has it pleased me now? And then in, in January 21st of 2008, I got to go back to China and adopt a little boy named Jin Tao, who's just awesome and incredible. And I tell you what, it's what I wanted to do. It's brought me great pleasure. And I love them as much as I love John, Chelsea, and Leela. We've been adopted into God's family. That's how much he loves you. He chose you. Didn't have to. You didn't just pop up and there you were, right? He, he chose you. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Are you kidding me? I am a child of God. I, I am a member of God's very own family. Are you kidding me? Next. Are you kidding me? Will we get to bring our request to the throne room of God? Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Into what? God's presence. That's a big deal, especially back then, right? I don't know if you remember like Exodus 19, right? Ten Commandments. You know, God comes on Mount Sinai, thunder, smoke, loud sound, pretty frightening. And you know what God said? Hey, put a boundary around this mountain so that the people do not cross that boundary. If they do, guess what happens? Boom, they're dead. Can't come into my presence. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence into the throne room of God. Now, I don't know about you, I've never been in the throne room of a king. But I've been in the throne room of the king of kings many times. Hebrew writer says it this way, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Are you kidding me? We can draw near to God in full assurance? And listen, it's because of that full assurance that Paul was able to pen these words to the church in Philippi from a prison cell. These words of promise. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, are you kidding me? I get to give this heavy load to God, presenting your quest to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yes, we, me and you, small, weak, frail, fragile, limited, finite people that we are, get to present our requests, our concerns, our fears, our anxieties, our pressures, our burdens 
to the very throne room of God. Are you kidding me? We have direct access to the creator of the universe. I mean, we have direct access to the one who is over all things, who is before all things, and who holds all things together. Talk about 100 tons of pure gold. Next, are you kidding me? We get to read a book that was literally breathed by God. All scriptures God breathed and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You, you see, this book, this book's not dead. This book is alive. It's literally God-breathed. This book, it, it, it gives us wisdom and direction and comfort and strength and life and encouragement and hope. Understand, there is no book like this book, never has been and never will be. As Isaiah says, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and give you a chance to do donuts in parking lots, no. <laughs> which is fun. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word, God says. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. It will prosper everywhere I sent it. Just like this week when I read John chapter 7, and Jesus shows up at the temple during the great feast, and he says, if anyone is thirsty, and I say, God, you know what? I'm still thirsty sometimes. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. But sometimes I'm still thirsty. I guess I go to the wrong things to quench my thirst sometimes. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. You can't just come, you have to drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures say, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And I read that, right? This living an active word. I said, God, am I doing that? And God says, well, What's flowing out of your heart? <laughs> Steve, is, liver, is, is rivers of living water flowing out of your heart, giving life to other people? If not, you need to drink some more of me, right? Because that's what can flow out of us, right? Where we're giving life to other people. Are you kidding me? We get to do life together. Two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other one can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying together can keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Question, have you ever fallen physically, emotionally, spiritually, and there was no one there to pick you up? Understand, we were created to do life together. I mean, think about it. Adam is chilling out in a perfect world, right? Perfect paradise. I mean, there's not even any sin to block, right? Him and God. Him and God are, are just having an ultimate close relationship. Everything is good. And then all of a sudden, God looks out there, and he sees something he doesn't like. There's no sin yet. 
No one's bitten the forbidden fruit yet. Yet God says what? It's not good for man to be what? To be alone. And how true that is, amen? Ever been alone? Ever felt alone? Uh, this week I, I, I just did a Google search, right? Loneliness epidemic. There's 230,000 results with headings like this. How can we stop America's loneliness epidemic? Loneliness, a solemn plague that is hurting young people the most. Loneliness, the leprosy of the modern world. Attractive, successful, yet for years, Emily White felt profoundly alone. Another one, how an epidemic of loneliness is killing the man we love. And then this one here, the loneliness epidemic. Can the church help? Yeah, it can. It can. You see, the church from the very beginning was wired up to be a together thing, to be a place where no one has to do life alone unless they choose to, right? All the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Bottom line, everybody needs a place where they can know and be known, love and be loved, serve and be served, celebrate and be celebrated, understand and be understood. That's why we do life groups. Fill out your connection card. Say, hey, if you're not in one, hey, I'd like to be in a life group. Next, are you kidding me? We get to be a part of the body of Christ. Now, as most of you know, I'm a huge NFL fan. So I love this time of year. The NFL, it, it, to me, is the best professional league out there. Only 16 games. Every game counts. And every team had one goal this year. To win the game that takes place in Houston on February the 5th of this year. Super Bowl 51. And listen, when the winning team on February the 5th, we, we don't know who that's going to be. I'm not going to say it. I swore I wouldn't say anything about them. Holds up the Lombardi Trophy. It, it won't just be the head coach or the owner or the quarterback who will be celebrating. No, everyone on the sidelines in the entire organization, from the highest paid to the lowest paid, from the quarterback who takes the snap to the guys who cut the grass and clean the locker room will celebrate the victory. And not only that, but they will celebrate that victory in a way that those of us sitting at home can't because they were actually a part of the team and a part of making it happen. Yeah, to actually be part of an organization that wins the Super Bowl will be pretty awesome. But listen, there's another organization out there that's been winning victories for 2,000 years. More victories than we could ever count. In fact, this organization, the church, is destined to win. And even the gates of hell cannot prevail against her. And yes, you can be a part of it. Uh, Paul writes, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with the body of Christ. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In this grace, God is giving us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. 
If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I understand every person who calls Maple Grove home, everyone who has who's joined up with this team, a team that, by the way, has one goal, right? God's glory and to reach lost people. Everybody has a part to play. Everybody has a place where they can serve. And listen, people are playing their part and doing their job week in and week out from teaching in the children's ministry, keeping the nursery, cleaning the building, preparing communion, working with students, leading an adult Bible study, working out in the parking lot, preparing meals for Sunday, uh, making coffee, cleaning up the coffee, coming along somebody who's hurting, leading or hosting a life group, making slides for the PowerPoint, working in the sound booth, leading people in worship, etc., etc., etc. And listen, whenever we experience a victory, uh, whenever somebody surrenders their life to Christ in baptism, whenever a, a marriage is restored, whenever a broken heart finds healing, whenever a lonely person finds a family, whenever an addiction is overcome, wherever depression is beaten back, whenever hope is given, whenever love is shared, whenever a child begins to know of the love and care of Jesus, whenever someone is able to find peace in the middle of the storm, whenever a bold prayer is answered, we all get to celebrate in that victory. Amen? Amen? Because we played a part in it. And, and listen, here's the deal. You know, those who are playing a part in it will celebrate differently, no matter what job they're doing, right? Than those who are on the sidelines. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. On your connection card. You know, if right now you're not serving somewhere, I just challenge you. If you don't know where to serve, hey, say, I don't know where to serve, but I want to serve somewhere because I, I want to really celebrate the victory. And, and I think you know what I mean, right? Have you ever been asked to pray for somebody and you really intended to pray for them, like a big prayer, they're having surgery, or, or we're waiting for the results of the biopsy, and you meant to pray and you didn't, and you find out the news was good, and you're really excited but isn't it more exciting when you actually prayed? You know, you're like, man, I prayed for that. You know, I, I prayed for that to happen. You know, I, I was a part of that. You know, you know what I'm saying? So that, that's what it is. And so if you want to serve somewhere, I want to encourage you because we need you to do your special work so we can be healthy and growing and full of love. Next, are you kidding me? We get to do good deeds that cause people to praise God. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the room. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You see, we get to do things that cause people to praise God. And we're doing that, right, as a church. You know, we, we did the angel tree, right, where, where kids in Greene County were able to have Christmas, right? Through a benevolence fund, we've done a lot of things from paying electric bills and helping car repairs and things like that, right? Uh, we packed up those shoe boxes. A every month we bring canned goods, right? People are making meals for people. But, but I want to tell you, you know, my goal in 2017 is to take that up a lot of notches, right? I, I want to figure out how we can be the best church for our community, I want our community to be better because we're here. And if that's something that lights your fire, 
uh, on Tuesday, January the 17th at 6.30 p.m., we're going to have a compassion team meeting and talk about, hey, what are we going to do this year? What are our long-term goals so that we can be the hands and feet and love of Jesus in this community so the community is better because we're here, right? Just that if we ever closed up shop, they would protest. Say, don't leave Maple Grove. We need you. How can we make it without you, all right? If that interests you, you can sign up on your connection card January the 17th at 6.30 p.m. Are you kidding me? We get to change people's forevers. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, we read this. And this one had three exclamation points, by the way. God is giving us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Are you kidding me? Seriously, can you think of anything better than changing someone's forever? Someone's going to spend forever in a crisis eternity in a place that Scripture describes as outer darkness, as a great fire, right? You know, and that's where they're going to spend forever. And because of you, they spend it in heaven with God. Is anything better than that? We get the change where people spend forever. Are you kidding me? I hope you're praying for one this year, right? Lord, give me one person that I can share your love with today. You know, where you work, where you live, somewhere. God, God, I, I want to change somebody's forever. Man, I got to tell you, when we're in heaven and those people are there, we're going to say, man, I'm so glad I did that, right? I'm so glad that I took the time and effort. And now look where you are. Because I tell you what, the people that we know that we don't share it with, Though they may not be able to talk to us, they really wouldn't be too happy with us. They'll say, dude, like you knew this is where I was going to end up. And like you didn't say nothing. And you said you're my friend. You're actually in my family. And, and, and you were just afraid I get mad at you. I would just want to encourage you this year to change somebody's forever. Amen? It's fun. Are you kidding me? We get to live with the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. <laughs> That's crazy. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. Are you kidding me, right? Okay, I'm not making that up. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's why Paul wrote to Timothy, for God is not giving us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of what? Of power and love and self-discipline. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. And number 10, and there's not in any order, are you kidding me? We get to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Because that's what we're about as a church, right? Uh, we we want to connect people, not, not to a church, not to me, not to anybody here, connect people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul writes, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. A new life has what? It's begun. All right, we're works in progress, right? 
Look around. I'm messed up and you're messed up, right? Right? We're on the right track, but we're not there yet. All this newness of life is from your own effort. No, all this newness of life is from God, who brought us back to himself through what Jesus did. And then this verse, so all of us who've had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We get to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And that includes ourselves, too, by the way. We get to lead people to a life that's really life. We get to lead people to life where they can experience peace in the storm, joy that's inexpressible, hope that is living, peace that transcends all understanding and a purpose for each day. We get to lead people to a life where they have a love that is unfailing and to where they have a heart that's coming alive with the love and mercy and grace and compassion of Jesus Christ flowing out from them into others. Are you kidding me? We get to do that. And all this newness of life is from God as the Spirit makes us more and more like Him. Man, I love seeing lives changed by Jesus, right? You know, little changes and big changes, right? right? As a parent, right? You know, wow, your, your kid all of a sudden rolled over, right? Like if your 18-year-old rolled over today, you're not going to get all excited about it. Wow, they rolled over. Awesome, way to go. You got your college degree and you can roll over. Rolling over 101, right? Graduate school, Right? But it was exciting then, wasn't it? When they could crawl, right? And see, we need to rejoice in every step along our journey, right? You know, as I like to say, you're doing better than you think you are, right? You're doing better than you think you are. And I love to see people's lives changed by the power of God. Are you kidding me? I get to do this? I already have this? I can experience this. I can be a part of this. Yes, I can, because we are the church, and there's nothing like the church. Check out this quote. We are almost done, but man, really tune in. There's nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, and the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the, to the marginalized of this world. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. Still to this day, the potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. No other organization on earth is like the church. Nothing comes even close. Brothers and sisters, it's January the 8th, 2017. And in light of the treasure that is ours, I say, let's live by faith, trust his presence, and walk in patience. 
And let's not back down and sacrifice, hesitate with their adversaries, negotiate with their enemies, or work for popularity. And I say, let's refuse to give up or shut up until we stayed up and prayed up and gave up all for the cause of Christ because we are, are you kidding me, we are the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand and pray with me? God, we love you. God, are you kidding me? Wow. God, I pray all of us just reflect on these truths, this incredible treasure that's worth everything, worth everything that we have. And God, I pray your spirit just moves right now and speaks to us. And God, I pray we stand amazed at your grace and your presence, amazed at your love. And God, I, I, I pray we leave excited for what we're a part of. We rejoice in the progress we made. And we try to make a difference in this world. And we receive your love and mercy. God, for those who are hanging on to guilt and shame, I, I pray they realize that in Christ there is no condemnation, that they, God's forgiven them. Help them to forgive themselves and move on. In Jesus' name, amen.